Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Target Field in Minnesota. It's the Minnesota Twins 7, the Cleveland Indians 5. The Minnesota Twins sweep the series against the Indians. The Indians fall four and a half games out of first place, and they are on a six-game losing streak. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And I can guarantee that podcasts are the only place you're going to find baseball talk today because local radio is definitely going to be roasting the Cleveland Browns for that terrible first game opening day appearance by the by our local football team. So if you want some baseball talk, podcasts are your place to find it. And when the Indians went up 3-0, I really thought we were going to get a chance to laugh at all those football fans who were telling us on Twitter that this is a Brownstown, no one cares. I, you should have seen the tweets at the Cleveland Indians account when they uh, like announced the starting lineup. People were vicious to them, claiming this is a Brownstown. So when we were up 3-0, I thought we could have had some fun with them on Twitter, but no, it got ugly in a hurry because as soon as we were up 3-0, the Twins answered back and started hitting bombs. So how did it all go down? What happened yesterday? Well, it started out really well. Tristan McKenzie was on the mound for the Indians. Michael Pineda was on the mound for the Twins. This is only his third start of the season. He was actually suspended 60 games for an illegal substance. Weird story. He claims some friend gave him something. It was supposed to be for weight loss or to control his weight. He didn't, you know, he didn't get it approved by the Twins doctors. Maybe those stories always seem a little bit, a little bit strange. So he did a 60 game suspension and now he's back out there for the twins and he's pitching pretty well. He had eight strikeouts on the day, but he also gave up eight hits and three runs. Uh, So it was a rough game for both starters. Neither starter made it out of the fifth inning, even though they were both striking out a lot of batters. So, how'd it go down? Let's check the game summary. The Indians actually got things rolling in the first inning. They had a rally in the first inning. Could you believe it? Francisco Lindor leads off the game on a full count with a line drive to center field for a base hit. Cesar Hernandez was bunting then. And I found it really strange. Why would you, the second batter of the game, why would you try to sacrifice a runner over? Were you, are you that desperate? to get a runner in his scoring position. It just felt like a really bizarre move that early in the game. And he wasn't bunting for a base hit because they don't shift on Cesar Hernandez like they do every other hitter in the Indians lineup. He just tried to bunt and uh, beat it out. It, it, the ball just died, and Pineda is not quick off the mound. He, uh, he's got a lot of body to move there. And uh, Hernandez beats it out. Jose Ramirez then strikes out. Bad on a slider down at his feet. He was pissed. It was an 0-2 count. I can't remember if he fouled one out, but basically struck out on three pitches. And he was pissed because, I mean, Jose Ramirez has been the guy that's been hitting on this team. That's why he's down in the three-hole right now. And uh, he had a chance to really get things going. And, uh, yeah, just could not do it yesterday. Carlos, at least in that at-bat, he does get some hits later. Carlos Santana singles on a ball off the handle of his bat. He bloops it into left field. Lindor comes around to score. Everybody moves up a base on the throwing error by Rosario. So now we got run in. We scored our first run of the game. That's big from Santana. Santana has been, I mean, I think he was hitting below 200 coming into this game. Where does he leave this game? 
210. He got he had three for five yesterday, so he got his average back up over 200. So uh, big day for uh, Carlos Santana. Then for Mil Reyes, unfortunately, strikes out looking on a fastball that froze him. He struck out looking twice yesterday, I believe. He struck out three times total on the day, and it was bad. Each time it was bad. He should not have been taking. He should have been up there being aggressive, and he might be a little gun-shy because he has struck out on a lot of breaking pitches down and away. He has struck out a lot, it feels like, on curveballs and sliders down and away. So you can understand how he's a little gun-shy, but he's got to stay aggressive. And he's got to learn how to foul off those pitches uh, to keep himself alive in counts. And then Naquin strikes out swinging, ends the threat. But the Indians scored a run in the first inning. That is huge. We come back up. We turn the lineup over for the top of the third. Lindor's leading off an inning again. Boy, I wonder if being a leadoff hitter is working for him. He singles to left field this time. Cesar Hernandez then singles to follow that up to right. We got the same situation we had in the first inning here. Two on, nobody out, and Jose Ramirez strikes out on a foul tip. I'm thinking to myself, what is happening? Are we literally replaying the first inning here? Carlos Santana... Doesn't hit it off the handle. This time he hits it on the barrel. Shoots a ground ball into right field. Lindor comes all the way around to score. Hernandez goes to third. We got runners on the corner. Two nothing Indians. Are we literally replaying the first inning here? Fermil Reyes does not strike out this time. He gets a fastball that he can handle, and he drives it out to right field, and Underwood went into his home run call. He's back. He's out of room, and he catches it on the track. So uh, it's always funny when a uh, play-by-play guy goes into his home run call only having to call it caught on the morning track or caught against the wall. So it's a big swing from Reyes, but it's a sack fly. It's the little things in baseball. It is the little things that that turn a season from bad to good or good to bad. This was one of those good little things. Brings in the runner from third. Three nothing Indians. Naquin grounds out to end the threat. Okay, so now we've got a three nothing lead. We've got Phenom Tristan McKenzie on the mound. We're feeling pretty good. He walks the leadoff hitter in the bottom of the third. This would be the first trouble that McKenzie would get in. McKenzie has a weird line on this game. Wait till we get to this. So he walks Lamont Wade to start the inning. And then Marwin Gonzalez, who's been killing the Indians in this season. I mean, he's been killing the Indians for a while. He gets a 2-0 pitch. He gets a fastball that he can handle. And he crushes it to right center field. Hits a bomb for the Bomba squad. And uh, makes it 3-2 Indians. Now, he would get out of the rest of the inning, so it's always good to see McKenzie bounce back after giving up a home run. We've talked about how he's a fly ball pitcher, and so home runs are on the table uh, when you're facing him. So he gets out of the inning. All right, we still got a 3-2 lead. It can't get much worse, can it? Oh, yes, it can. After he gets Polanco to strike out swinging in the fourth, Nelson Cruz, who the Indians have been handling all game. I believe Nelson Cruz was first pitch swinging in this at-bat. Yes, he was, and he crushes one out to the bullpen in left center field. So Nelson Cruz hits a 16th homer on the season, makes it 3-3. All right, well, you know, Cruz is a home run hitter. He's one of the best home run hitters in the league. You can't blame Tristan McKenzie too much for that. He was trying to get a first ball strike on him, and, uh, and I think the Twins hitters were swinging early and swinging aggressively in this game today. That was their approach. And uh, it worked because they hit a lot of home runs. 
in the fifth, the Indians have a a little bit of a rally going. After Cesar Hernandez flies out to start the inning, Jose Ramirez doubles. So Jose Ramirez uh, struggling in his two plate appearances with runners on base. He comes up with the bases empty, doubles down the right field line. Unfortunately, Santana strikes out swinging, Reyes walks, and then Naquin is called out on strikes looking at a fastball. Caleb Fieldbar came in from the bullpen to replace Pineda once they were in that jam, and Naquin strikes out looking. Now, it was a rough day for Naquin and Reyes because they came up with a lot of guys on base. Reyes left four guys on base. Naquin left seven guys on base yesterday. That is brutal. All right, back into the game here. Bottom of the fifth inning. McKenzie is still out there. This time he doesn't walk Lamont Wade. He hits him with a pitch. So it works the same. He gets Marwin Gonzalez called on a strike. So he gets through Marwin Gonzalez only to give up a home run to Ryan Jeffers into the bullpen in left center field again. Was it first pitch swinging again? Nope, this time it was a 2-2 count, and he threw him probably a curveball that just hung right in the middle of the plate. McKenzie threw a lot of curveballs yesterday. Uh, It was kind of surprising, and we'll get into it after the game, but looking on StatCast here, it definitely was the most curveballs I think he's thrown all season. So we'll dive into those numbers in a second. Cal Quintrill comes out of the bullpen to replace McKenzie. He gets a fly out, but then gives up a homer to Donaldson. He hits one out to center field. He smokes one. And now it's 6-3 to three Minnesota, and we can't stop giving up home runs. At this point in the game, when Donaldson hits this home run, the Twins only have four hits, and all four of those hits are home runs. That's insane. McKenzie's line on the day, McKenzie's final line after he's taken out there in the fifth is four and a third, three hits, five earned runs, a walk, and seven strikeouts. Three hits, three home runs. That's a crazy line on the day. I mean, he was pitching great, and then all of a sudden, boom, that's what the Minnesota Twins do to you. That's what the Cleveland Indians don't seem to be doing lately. They don't don't have that punch. They don't have that pop that all of a sudden they could put up crooked numbers on the board in a flash. The Twins do. The Twins will put up some crooked numbers on you in in a hurry. So they get to McKenzie. They they were aggressive, and uh, they got the home run swings that they needed. Walks hurt them. Hit by pitch and walks, it turned into runs. He only hit walked one guy, and it turned into a run. He hit one guy with a pitch, turned into a run. So, yeah, that's a good lesson for Tristan McKenzie right there. All right, back into the game here. The Indians would actually fight back into this game. Uh, it felt like after that home run by John by Josh Donaldson that you know this thing was going to be out of reach. They start the top of the sixth. Theobar stays in there for the Twins. Naylor walks. Sandy Leone walks. Oscar Mercado grounds out, but it moves Naylor to third. It's a fielder's choice at second. Mercado save at first. And then Lindor comes up, hits a pretty good fly ball to Rosario. I mean, if he gets this over another couple feet, it's in the gap. Unfortunately, it's a fly out to Rosario, and Naylor tags and scores. It's a two-run game, four to six. We're still in this. So uh, the Twins would rally in the sixth and add a run on a sack fly. 
Karinchek would come in eventually to pitch for Quintrill in this sixth inning, and it was not going well. It was not going well for either reliever. They both had pretty terrible lines on the day. Quintrill goes one inning, three hits, two earned runs, two strikeouts, and that home run. Karinchek goes uh, two-thirds of an inning, no hits, no runs, but two walks, no strikeouts. And if Karinchek's not striking people out, you know something is wrong. He starts the uh, he starts his appearance with a walk, sack fly, a wild pitch, another walk, eventually gets Max Kepler to pop out to end the threat. So the Indians give up another run. It's seven to four. It still feels like the twins are just running away with this one. The Indians do then score another run in the eighth inning, though. And uh, this time it was the bottom of the lineup doing all the work. Tyler Naquin would double to start the inning on a ball to center field. Naylor would then line out to Byron Buxton in center. Sandy Leone would come up, and he would single on a sharp line drive over the first baseman's head down into right field, and Tyler Naquin would come in to score. So... It was a pretty good uh, little rally put together by the bottom of the order. There were a couple of flyouts in this inning to Byron Buxton. I don't know which is the one that Eddie Rosario got hurt on. There was a really ugly play here towards the end of the game where Byron Buxton and Eddie Rosario were both going for a ball. And uh, as Rosario reaches for it, Buxton basically runs through him and catches it. And bends Rosario's arm back. So ugh, it was it was not good. It might have been the wrist, the elbow, the shoulder. They all kind of looked like they got bent back. So hopefully Rosario's okay because that looked a little bit ugly. Uh, I haven't heard anything this morning. But, yeah, uh, when the center fielder's calling for it, you, you got to give up. You got to give it up to the center fielder. He's the captain out there. That's just the way it works. Uh, but Buxton, too, has to make sure that he's calling for it and uh, make sure that Rosario knows he's coming because you don't want to see guys colliding out in the outfield is never, never good. All right, the Indians' bullpen would do their job from here. Uh, Phil Maiden and Brad Hand would each pitch a scoreless inning, so they gave the Indians a chance. After uh, the Sandy Leone RBI, it was a two-run game. We get into the ninth inning. Cesar Hernandez starts that inning. First off, they bring in Sergio Romo to pitch, and they didn't let Sergio Romo pitch in the eighth to Lindor. They left uh, Stashak in to pitch to Lindor. He got Lindor out, but I think everybody in the ballpark, and I know no one was in the ballpark, wanted to see Romo go against Lindor. Instead, Romo gets the Indians in the ninth. He gives up the single to Cesar Hernandez. Then uh, Jose Ramirez pops out. So again, a guy on base, Jose Ramirez pops out. Carlos Santana singles, moves Hernandez up to second. We got something going here. We got a little bit of a rally going. Vermeil Reyes called out on strikes. This was the breaking ball that he took right down the pipe. He's called out on strikes. He's got to be swinging. Come on, Vermeil Reyes. Don't get gun shy on me. You swing away, especially in the ninth inning with two guys on base. If you gotta, He can go backside. So if you get those outside pitches, go the opposite way. The same thing goes for Tyler Naquin. If you get those outside pitches, go the other way. I know you can do it. I've seen you do it. I've seen your spray charts. Tyler Naquin is first pitch swinging. He puts a good swing on it, but he hits it right to center field, right to Byron Buxton, and that ends the game. So there you go. The Indians, act, and they played a competitive game. With all the home runs they gave up in this thing, they actually played a competitive game yesterday. If it hadn't been the sixth game of a six-game losing streak, I don't think Indians fans would be that mad. 
but it is the sixth game of a six-game losing streak. And Indians fans are mad, and uh, it's understandable. I mean, you thought this team should be competing for a championship this year. They have the best pitching in baseball up to this point in the season, and this offense, just it's never there when we need it. It's just the pitching... On the days when uh, the pitching is on, the offense is nowhere to be found. On these days where the pitching falters, suddenly we can score runs. It's frustrating as hell. The top of the order did a lot of the work yesterday. Lindor had two hits, two runs scored in an RBI. Hernandez had three hits and a run scored. Jose Ramirez did have two hits, but no RBIs, no runs scored. He he couldn't do it when guys were on base. He left five guys on base. And Santana goes three for five with two RBIs. So the top of the order was really the ones that were doing it yesterday. And uh, the pitching, it just... It wasn't good enough yesterday. The Twins are just that good up to bat. I'm going to give MVP for a day to Carlos Santana. He got his average back over 200, three for five, and lots of hits with runners in scoring position, two RBIs for him. So Carlos Santana is getting my MVP for a day. Unfortunately, the Indians were only three for 16 with runners in scoring position. Three for 16 collectively. The total left on base for all the batters, 24 left on base for the Indians. I know the team left on base is only 10, but per individual at bat, it's 24 left on base, which is brutal. Man, 3 for 16. I did not realize it was that bad. All right. The Twins did a little bit better. I mean, they didn't have runners in scoring position because they get a guy in first and then they'd hit a home run. They had seven hits on the day. Four of them were home runs. They had four home runs today, five home runs yesterday, and two home runs on Friday. That's 11 home runs in the series for the Twins. They don't call them the Bomba Squad for nothing. And, uh, I mean, comparing these two teams, right, we thought it was going to be the Indians and the Twins going into this season. And looking at the offense, the team batting for the Twins, Like half their team has an OPS plus above 100. Now, OPS, again, is on-base percentage and slugging percentage combined. OPS plus is adjusted for a player's ballpark, and it's also set league average. Remember, anytime we see a plus, it means league average is set to 100. So, if you have an OPS plus above 100, that means you are above league average. That means you're doing pretty good. They've got, in their starting lineup, they've got one, two, three, four, five guys above 100 in OPS+, plus plus one, two, three, four guys coming off their bench. The Indians, meanwhile, the Indians have three guys with an OPS plus above 100. Lindor's at 105, Jose Ramirez is at 131, and Fermil Reyes is at 127. We've got guys in negative numbers. Now, some of these guys aren't on the team anymore. Josh Naylor is at negative five OPS plus. Oscar Mercado is at negative four OPS plus. That's insanely low. Bo Taylor, Daniel Johnson was. Austin Hedges is at negative 23 OPS plus. All right, so clearly our batting does not match up at all with the Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins have a championship lineup. The Indians do not right now. I know there's talented guys in that lineup, but it is not a championship lineup right now. The pitching definitely is in the Indians' favor. 
there's some decent starters on the uh, Twins. I'm looking at ERA plus. Again, same thing, ERA adjusted by ballpark where the league average is set to 100. So if you're over 100 on ERA plus, you're doing pretty good. Kenta Maeda is the best for the Twins at 181. For the Cleveland Indians, Shane Bieber's ERA plus is 304. That is how dominant he's been. Zach Plesak is at 212. Carrasco is at 149. Savali is at 120. And Tristan McKenzie is at 183, although this has not been updated from yesterday's game. If you look at the FIP, if you look at the WHIP, the starters for the Indians are definitely dominating the starters for the Twins right now. However, their bullpen is pretty good. I mean, their bullpen is going to keep them in games. Taylor Rogers, Tyler Clipper, Tyler Duffy, Trevor May, all the T's, and Sergio Romo. We saw how good Thielbar was yesterday and Stashak a little bit. I mean, their whips are pretty low. The, the one who's actually been hit the hardest are Trevor May and uh, Taylor Rogers, actually. But Taylor Rogers has 20 strikeouts to one walk. That's crazy. His strikeouts per nine are 11. Trevor May's strikeouts per nine are 15.1. The Indians' bullpen matches up pretty well with them. I mean, all five of our main relievers, as far as the way baseball reference thinks of them, all have ERA pluses above 100. Oliver Perez is at 377. He's been pitching great. He's still got a 126 ERA. Uh, His whip is under one. All our guys are right around one or under. We got three relievers under one. Um, Cal Quintrill is struggling. Kyler Nelson, I think, only has one appearance, so that doesn't count. Cam Hill is actually decent. His ERA is 3.95. We haven't seen much of Cam Hill since he came back. So I think pitching, we still have them. I think you could still consider the Indians a better pitching staff. But the Twins are definitely a better team than the Indians right now. I think they proved it this weekend. So uh, they always say that great pitching, especially in the playoffs, that great pitching beats great hitting. I don't know. I don't know if our great pitching is going to handle any of these lineups in the American League when it comes to the playoffs. So I know we say just get to the playoffs and anything can happen, but boy, it doesn't feel like it right now. It really doesn't. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, we talked about his pitches yesterday. He threw the curveball a lot. He threw the curveball 22 times in this start. Compared to his last start, he only threw it 12 times. 16 sliders today, only 28 sliders yesterday. 28 sliders in his last appearance against Kansas City. So way down on the sliders, about the same amount of fastballs and changeups. Fastball is still his number one pitch. So we're on StatCast's website here, and they've got a cool pitch map where I can finally see where all the pitches are coming in. And he was moving the fastball around a lot more yesterday, throwing it low in the zone, throwing it to the edges, throwing it up, kind of going four quadrants, all four quadrants with his fastball. In his last start against Kansas City, a lot were up. A lot of fat, high fastballs, top of the zone. Still painting the edges, but a lot were up. So he was getting his fastball down a little bit. The changeup sees the same. It's always down to the down and into righties, down and away to lefties. The slider is the opposite. It is always down and into lefties, down and away from righties. The curveball he'll drop all over. He will put the curveball on both sides of the plate. And he threw a ton of them yesterday. So there's the pitch mix-up for Tristan McKenzie. That's what he was doing a little bit different yesterday. We'll have to see. I didn't think he would throw this many curveballs. I really thought he was going to stick slider, fastball change. So we'll see how effective 
that curveball is. Uh, I could tell you the three home runs, the three hits and the three home runs he gave up yesterday. One was a fastball, and two of them were on sliders. So nobody hit the curve uh, for a base hit or for a home run yesterday. So we shall see. We shall see if these trends continue for Tristan McKenzie. All right, that's what I got. The Indians have a much, much needed off day today. So no podcast tomorrow morning. We'll be back Wednesday morning to cover the Chicago Cubs game. That's right. We got ourselves. This road trip continues. We're going to face the Chicago Cubs for two starting on Tuesday, and then we get four games against Detroit. Man, we're going to need those games against Detroit. And then we finish up at home, four games against the White Sox, and then three against the Pirates. Now, I can tell you, we've actually been handling the White Sox okay. Uh, our opponents this year that have really beat us up, that really have given us trouble, have been the Kansas City Royals. We're five and five against the Royals, and the Minnesota Twins. We're three and six against the Twins this season. I believe the Twins are the only team that have scored more runs against us than we've scored against them. Every, uh, I take that back. Milwaukee, actually, even though we are two and one against Milwaukee, they scored eleven. We scored nine in that series. Everybody else, we have oh. I take that back. The Cubs. I forgot about the two games set against the Cubs where they dominated us. Okay. Everybody else we have a positive run differential against. We're actually 4-2 and two against the White Sox this year. So that White Sox series, the four-game set at home, is going to be really, really interesting. But we got to get through the Cubs first. We're facing the Cubs' two best pitchers, I believe. We're facing Darvish. On Wednesday, on Tuesday, and then we're facing Lester on Wednesday. We've got Savali going on Wednesday against Lester, and we've got Carrasco going against Darvish on Tuesday. So we are facing some tough, tough pitchers for the Cubs. But hopefully, we can get a little bit of revenge for 2016. Hopefully, the Indians can find a way to win after this off day, get a good night's sleep, get a good meal, and get ready to go because this is the home stretch. After this off day, it's 13-game sprint to the end of the season, and the Indians need to stay aggressive. Like, we need to see something from the Indians here to give us a little bit of confidence going into the playoffs. Even if we are the third team out of the AL Central, it's a weird season. It's a weird playoffs. Normally, third place would feel terrible, but because of this new playoff system for this season, it gives us a little bit of hope. So, Stay positive, Indians fans. I know it's hard on a six-game losing streak. The Twins own us this season. Let's see what we can do. Man, if we lose these two to the Cubs, if it's an eight-game losing streak, man, Indians fans are going to be pissed off. So let's try to stay positive. Let's keep enjoying the baseball season. Because remember, we almost didn't have a baseball season. So... That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Minnesota. It's the Minnesota Twins 7, the Cleveland Indians 5. You can, we'll be back in two days. We'll be back in two days to start covering that Chicago Cubs series. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.